Notice these words once again. Go in to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. We want to look at that this morning. And we want to ask the question, how does that deal with us today? How in the world does a verse that was written that long ago, an event that happened that long ago, have anything to do with us today? And I want to say it has everything to to do with us today. Uh, For the past few months, I've, I've just been really praying for our church, the direction of our church. I've been praying for you. I've been praying that I've been praying God's will. And one of the things that has come to mind and has just echoed in the halls of my mind since that time of prayer has been let my people go. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds, that's solid. You know, that's good. Cool. He's like, no, no, I'm talking to you. Oh, me? me? I'm not the Pharaoh. What do you mean, God? I'm not the Pharaoh. I'm not keeping people held down. I thought I was helping to release people. And God says, yes, you. You've probably noticed in your life before that sometimes the choices that we have to make really are not necessarily between bad and good as much as between good and best. In other words, you only have so much time. And it's probably that you're not giving your, yourself to super bad stuff in your life or just awful, atrocious things. But are you actually giving God your best rather than just what is good or left over? And so God gave me a swift kick and said, you need to help the people of Harvest Point be free to serve me. In other words, I've been doing too much. Been doing too much, been taking over too many things. Jack and Carrie, I love their, their story. They'll tell you that they, they started this really neat ministry, and I'm not going to have the time to go into it, but it was, they had a really tough time letting it go to somebody else because they really loved doing it. But once they did, they found joy in watching someone else serve God. You know what? That's what God wants to do with us this year. Some of you aren't serving at all in any capacity in or outside of the church. And you know what? Hey, that's all right for 2016. Yeah, 2016, that was all right. You know, we got to grow. We got to learn. But it's time to step up. It's time for us to be freed from our bondage so that we can go and worship God truly. You see, I want to live with the end in mind. And the end is Jesus. And his mission is clear. Make disciples of all people. I'm going to be with you to the end. I'll see you at the end. But I'm going to be with you all the way through this whole thing. But is that our mission? Is it my mission? That's something that I've had to (laughs) repent about even recently as this weekend. I want to be heavenly minded. I want to have my mind always tilted toward what is heavenly. Because what is heavenly is what is eternal. I don't mean pie in the sky. I mean the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What Jesus was preaching just a moment ago in our responsive reading. 
That's the heaven I want to be minded of in all circumstances. And can I tell you, I'm not there. I'm not there. In other words, sometimes I get on the long stretch of life and I zone out. I'm doing good work. Raising my family. Going to family functions. Doing the work of the church. Giving my life to the church. Giving my life to students. But I'm really asleep as I'm doing it. Just kind of in the zone. I mean, you've probably taken a drive before home and you were like, that was quick. <laughs> Didn't really see much that was going on, you know. <laughs> we kind of zone out sometimes. And I've zoned out on one thing in particular, and that is the lost. And as I mentioned last week, the prayer of Granny, for me, has come back full force. I can still hear her praying in my mind. For people who don't know Jesus. And every time she would get to that point in the prayer, she would start weeping. It wasn't put on. There was no audience. But God. Because God's heart is for those who don't know him. We've we've been singing and celebrating all the good things that God has done. And yet, some people don't know that. Now, sure, they may have heard about it. But they don't know it. Night is coming, Jesus says, when no one can work. But until that day, we work. We work. We work as a church. We work as a group. We work in the unity of the Spirit. You say, what is God doing? He's trying to save the world. How is He going to do it? Through the church. That's the only way He's going to do it. Through His body. He's the head. We're the body. So notice these verses here. Or sorry, this one verse. I'm not used to preaching from one verse. But notice this verse. Let my people go. That's kind of a famous thing. I mean, you know. Grew up in church at all? You're gonna let my people go? Yeah, that's Moses. You know, he's about to he's about to um, light up uh, Pharaoh with some with some plagues, you know. And uh, and yeah, that's that's a part of this. But did you catch it? Did you catch it? My people. These are God's people before they're His people. That's the reality. Here they are in slavery in Egypt. They've been there roughly four hundred and something years now, and they've been enslaved by the Pharaoh and he calls them now out of that slavery. My people called by my name. You see, God calls us by name. You by name. Me by my name. You know how it is when when you go somewhere and maybe you've just been once or something and somebody comes up, hey Marshall, how's it going? You're like, oh man. I need to start working on that guy's name. <laughs> but you appreciate that you know their name. Or that they know your name. <laughs> you do appreciate it if, uh, if you do know their name too. But, but you like it when somebody says your name. And you know what? God is the God of the universe. And yet, he loves you and thinks about you more than you can imagine. Actually, the psalmist actually tells us how much. He gives us a nice little illustration that I always love to think about when I'm at the beach. Look across the beach. All you see is sand as far as the eye can see. This way, sand as far as the eye can see. Sand as far out in the ocean as possible. And he says, you know what? My thoughts for you, Marshall, are more than the sand in, this, in, the, in that sea. Wow. 
You just dot your little finger, you've got 50 grains of sand on the end of it. His thoughts for me are more than that. I believe that. I know that to be true in my own life. He cares for us way more than we care for him. He thinks of us way more than we think of him. Why are we in Egypt? Why are we living in Egypt when we can have the promised land? My kingdom come, my will be done in you. And yet some of us are stuck in Egypt. Some of us are actually in that tumultuous desert land, traveling through the desert, and we haven't chosen yet whether or not we're going to trust God or trust Egypt. Remember what happens? They get out there in the desert, and they say, boy, I wish we were back in Egypt where we could eat some boiled onions. Instead of this stupid manna that God is giving to us. Who is our Pharaoh, truly? Who is our master, honestly? Just ask yourself that question. Is it the God of self? In other words, are you in charge of your life? You just sort of make the decisions as they come. You're a boss. You're the boss. That's one way people live life. You the man. You the lady. And that's it. The buck stops with you. It's not the way Christians are called to live. What gods do we worship? Some of us need to literally go home today and smash some idols in our house. It might be a TV. It might be a computer. It might be a phone. You say, that's crazy. No one would ever get rid of their TV. I don't know that we're going to have TVs in heaven, to be honest with you. That's kind of radical, man. Well, you know what? What if smashing your TV or going to hell was the decision? Would it seem so radical then? Your phone seemed so radical then? You see, the people were enslaved by the Pharaoh, but I am convinced more now than ever that we are enslaved by technology. I'm telling you, people used to have time to do things. And now nobody has any time, even though the devices that we push buttons on and stuff are supposed to make our life quicker and easier. So we can go spend family time. But there is none. Used to, you had to you know, take off this shirt. I got to go, or you know, not necessarily me, but somebody's got to go wash my shirt and scrub it down, down by the river or something like that. It's going to take time. Now you just... We have all these devices and all these different things that we fill our life with. But are they the right things? Are they the best things? Jesus would say this, I think. Only one thing is necessary. Didn't he tell that to Martha? Martha's busy about, rushing about. She's doing a lot of good stuff, truly. A lot of good stuff. A lot of needed stuff. Like I said last week, doing a lot of needed stuff. But what is the one thing necessary, my friends? Jesus, sitting at his feet, worshiping Jesus. He doesn't care about your little to-do list for him if you're not sitting at his feet. We sit at his feet to get his vision and his mission. You don't get that from me. 
You don't get it from a book. Want to be a better Christian? Let me go read a book. Read the book. Sit at his feet. Because only then can he change your heart. I can't change your heart. Nobody in this building can change your heart. You've already heard it this morning. If you're not changed from the inside out, you're not living a joyful, joy-filled life. You can't be. You can't be. We've been called as Christians to a long obedience. It's a marriage, isn't it? And marriage is for the long run. And some people would call marriage things like ball and chain. But it doesn't have to be. I haven't found it to be in my own marriage. And that's not buttering up. I don't have to do that today. <laughs> um, yeah. But instead, it's a reality check that we give ourselves to each other anew and afresh every single day. Because the trip that I don't, or the day that she doesn't, may be the beginning of the end. And how many of us could look back at relationships in our own lives that it was the beginning of the end? Or even more importantly, our Christian life and say, somehow I got off track. Somehow I was all up on the median. And sometimes if there are not people in our life, like that little rutted part of the road, if we don't have warnings in our life, if we're unwilling to hear what other people have to say about us, if we are accountable to no man, God help us. God help us. Because humans have a tendency to veer off the road. To forget. Which is why, which is why we remind you, he reminds you every single Sunday to remember me. Jesus says, remember me. Because we tend to forget. And the Israelites had forgotten who their God was. So now he's going to be a, do a big display because ultimately, Pharaoh, you know, long story short, Moses comes to Pharaoh. He says, he says, let my people go. And he says, by what authority? Well, I am sent me. Who in the world is I am? Well, over the next few chapters, unfortunately, the Pharaoh finds out exactly who I am is. That wasn't bad grammar, by the way. We need a deliverer, and guess what the good news is? Brothers and sisters, hear the good news, and that is, He can deliver you. He can deliver me from myself, from my self-interest, from my self-centeredness. Sin, at the very heart of it, has an eye. It is this eye. We can blame our mom and dad. We can blame our circumstance. We can blame the cows until they come home. But it is up to us to own it and confess it and repent of it and ask God to help us. It is not enough to assume that what happened in the past is good enough for today. Can I say that again? It's not enough to assume that what happened to us in the past as a Christian is good enough for today. No, no, no. It's new every morning. (laughs) 
Woo! I mean, I've been in the church all my life and properly a Christian since five years old. And I am more amazed this morning at who God is than I ever have been in my entire life. I'm more excited this morning about what God can do in my life, in your life, in this city, with this parachurch organization, Inside Out Ministries. I'm more excited than ever before. But I haven't always been. Sometimes I've been steering the ship like this with one eye open. And I'm not a pirate. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8 <laughs> So, you're His people. That's the short of it. My people. That's you. He's claiming you today. I'm claiming you as his. And I'm willing to be that little rutted part of the road when you start veering. Hey, whoa. That's kind of my job. That's what he's called me to do is for people to run over us sometimes. That's all right. Sometimes the only way the world can know what it tastes like to be a Christian is to take a bite out of you. And we got to let them do it. The next thing he says, look, let my people go. Because going is the great commission. That's the first thing it says. In other words, Jesus is leaving and he says, go and make disciples. And actually in the Greek, it's as you are going. It's a participle. I don't even know what a participle is, but I know it means this. As you are going, make disciples. And so the thing about going is this. We, we sometimes get tired on this journey. That's why we need each other. Nobody can do it alone. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. We shouldn't even try to do it alone. And so driving on I-65 yesterday and the day before, or or two days before, headed down to a training in Prattville on on the church was this. I'm I'm going down this long stretch between Birmingham, south of Birmingham, but north of Montgomery. It's this long, straight stretch of the road. And you would think, you would think, Oh boy, that'd be the safest part of I-65. Surely the parts where it's curvy or hilly, that's the parts where you're going to have the most wrecks. And if you read about it, the most wrecks happen in that stretch. Every time we've gone to the beach, there's been a wreck in that stretch. Here's why. When the path is long, wide, and straight, you get sleepy. You start getting in the zone like this. I mean, if you're on the edge of a cliff, you're like this, right? You're alert because, well, you're on edge, pun intended. I worked on that one a little while now, so thanks for the courtesy laughs. Thanks for the courtesy laughs. You're on edge when you're on the edge of a cliff. But when we're on a long straightaway, we feel like we can relax. And yet there are cross after cross after cross after cross on the side of the road where someone relaxed fell asleep at the wheel, and crashed. And I can tell you this, if we could see spiritually in different churches, I could walk you through people in my life who fell asleep at the wheel and they were shipwrecked in their faith. They didn't make it to the end. They did not finish well. Brothers and sisters, in order to finish well, we must continue the work that he's given to us 
and, and help each other stay focused on the road. I mean, Jessica's looked over there before at me, and I look like a zombie driving. She's like, hey, buddy, and she starts pinching me and hitting me, and, you know, I'm like, stop, you know, but I'm kind of glad because I don't want to die. Spiritually speaking, don't you need your brothers and sisters to come alongside you and say, wake up, you're going to kill your family. Wake up, you're not training your children in the faith then what do you expect of them? Wake up, your friends and family are dying and they're going to go to a devil's hell. Your co-workers, your enemies in the next cubicle, they're all on God's list to save. They ought to be on our list. They ought to be on my list. I'm telling you, God gave me a good beating. I went to the woodshed, as they say. I thought I was going to get trained to train others. And in fact, he schooled me. The worst witness in the church is not the hypocrite who blows up and, you know, loses their... It's the nominal Christian. That is only Christian in name. They don't have life in Christ... They don't know the love of God truly, and yet they claim his name. And people look day in and day out at their life, maybe at your life, and they say, boy, that's not much of a life. Not to do with money, but to do with joy. Mother Teresa wasn't rich, and yet you could not say that she didn't do her work joyfully. And even to this day, she has a greater impact and following than Madonna. so that they may serve me. In other words, let my people go, so that they may serve me. What kind of service is this? It's worship. Literally. There's no distinction here. Serve God. Come out in the desert to worship me. Worship and service go hand in hand because we are His servants. And until we can humble ourselves... And fall at his feet and call him Lord. We remain Lord and are in danger of being gobbled up by the enemy. We're called to worship and serve God. You know, a lot of times my strategy in the church, I'm like, man, we got to get somebody in here. And we need to make a real good worker out of them. Yeah, that's constantly on my mind. <laughs> Because there's hundreds of things that we could be doing better, that we could change or tweak or create. But you know what? What's better than a worker is a worshiper. If you're worshiping God, you'll find your place in his body. I don't have to do it for you. I don't have to be, oh, he needs more milk, she needs a diaper change again. You've become a mature believer. We need more maturity. Some of you have been in church all of your life and you're still not a mature believer. In other words, you can't feed others. You have nothing to give to others, nothing to share. We want to, again, grow something to share. But if you don't have anything growing in your garden, there's nothing to share. There's a verse in Scripture that says, 
tended others' gardens, vineyard, but my own vineyard was desolate. You can work all your life, and I've known pastors to work all their time in the church to the demise of their family. I'm telling you right now, that's not going to happen on my watch. Because I got people in my life that as soon as I start veering off the road, they're coming at me. They're going to get in my face. My dad, my brother, there's a, other, there's a couple other brothers in the faith that would call me out. Do you have somebody like that? Are you willing to allow people into your life like that? Small groups are a start. Oh, go here we go again with that. Well, you know, take it up with Jesus. He's the one who started small groups. I'm sorry if you don't like them. Jesus answered, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Which means that even if you have a job at Northrop Grumman or Boeing or Redstone Arsenal or with the President of the United States of America, you are ultimately serving God with your gifts, with your time, with your efforts. Because get this, I can't get into those classified areas where you can. And there's people inside of there who are hurting And God is calling you to reach them. So, in conclusion, today, here's the call. Here's where we, I pray, will be humble enough. And somebody prayed to be humble earlier, and now it's coming out. But we'll be humble enough to to either sit if you can't kneel, or kneel if you can before God today and say, you know what? I'm a, I've been asleep at the wheel. I'm willing to admit it. Because you know how it is. You're driving and you're like, I'm not, I'm not sleeping. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You're not fine. You're not fine. Would, would you be willing to truly repent of your sins? To confess and say, I've been wrong. And I want to finish this race well, live with the end in mind. Don't tempt me to lie at your funeral. Say you were a good person when everybody sitting there knows you weren't. Scripture calls us to live a life above reproach. <laughs> Some of us think we're leaders, but when we look back, nobody's following us. And nobody should be following us in the faith. But that doesn't have to be, my brothers and sisters. There are people in this church right here who can mentor you in the faith if you're willing. You say, I'd like you to do it. I just told you I'm not going to do that. I'm pulling back. I'm letting some other people get in here to help out. God's already given me a swift kick. Some of you, it's time to step up. We're at that point in the church now where it's time to step up and step out and bow before the Lord and say, you are truly the Lord. As Rachel comes, she's going to sing a song. I've asked her to specially sing a song. Late last night I asked her to do that. She's gracious enough to do it as she always is. And she's going to sing it. It's an old school song. But it has a very 
powerful meaning. If God has spoken to your heart, nudged you, maybe if you're, again, in that image of being in a car, maybe He's hitting you in the ribs and saying, wake up. Do not delay in your response. I mean, get up right now and kneel before Him. She's going to sing a song called, People Need the Lord. And they do. I do. Would you join me as we stand? Would you come and make him Lord? Amen. Cry out to Him from your heart. Be honest. 